Thanks for finding us. This is a message recorded at Fairfax Assembly in Bakersfield, California. You can find out more at fairfaxassembly.com. I want to talk to you for a minute about darkness. You know, darkness is a curse. There is a curse of darkness. The lack of light is a curse. Not to have enough light to be able to see, to be in darkness. That, that is a particular kind of curse. And, and darkness is also a handicap when you think about it because you are temporarily blind. You don't see as well as you're accustomed to. So it's a curse. It's a handicap. But it's also a terror. There's the terror of darkness. We talk about it that way. All of the scary stories, all of the horrible things we can imagine are always made worse by the darkness, aren't they? In fact, it's always been amazing to me that I can lay in bed all night long or get up and walk and worry about things that when the sun comes up don't seem nearly as bad as they did in the darkness. There's a certain terror that comes with darkness. We all know that. We talk about evil and about things that are destructive and chaos as the forces of darkness, and they are. That's why the centuries of longing for a, a mysterious figure that would come and, and bring light, the promised Messiah, what we sang about a moment ago, the long-expected Messiah. That's why people longed and waited and hoped all those centuries long, because they were in darkness, and they needed the light that Messiah, the promised one, would bring. All the way from the very beginning, in the third chapter of Genesis, the 16th verse, when the curses are being meted out on man, woman, and, and the serpent, the curse to the serpent is especially bad, and the Lord says that you are cursed above all the animals you will crawl on your belly your whole life long, and dust is what you'll eat because of what you've done, the part you played in how you've wrecked things here. And he says that she, the woman, will have an offspring, and you will for sure put some hurt on her offspring. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about that long-expected Messiah. So all the way back from the beginning, people were looking for centuries and ages. They were looking for that long-expected one who would come because the darkness was so dark and so profound. And the longing for this one who will come and bring light in the darkness, it, it throbs from the beginning throughout all of the Hebrew Scriptures. But let me just draw your attention to just one. Just one case where the Lord talks about how this darkness will be turned back when this long-awaited one finally makes his long-awaited arrival. The Word says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those that dwell in the land of darkness, light has shone. Upon them. Those are great words. They come from the prophet Isaiah, the prophet poet who expresses in his poetry things that cannot be expressed any other way. But, but those words, 
They come down to us from a time of great darkness in His life, in the life of His nation, His people. There were things going wrong. Things were as wrong as they could ever be. In every way, Zion, the the dream, the dream of these former slaves, it's all in shambles now. The walls have been broken down. The temple has been destroyed. And all of the, the valuable holy things have been looted and carried away. And the people have been some massacred and others carried off into another slavery again. And everything is ruined. And everything, as I said, is in shambles around them. And this word comes that we just heard. This word comes as a word of hope. This is the first Sunday in the season we call Advent. Advent means coming. The coming of Christ. And this is the first Sunday in that season. And on this day, we direct our attention to hope. Because we must hope. Like those people, they had to hope. We must hope too. But what are we hoping for? What are we we waiting for? There's some scriptures that help, and we heard them as they were just read. The first one. John read, it says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. And there's the one who brings good news. How lovely are His feet who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, which is now in shambles and there's darkness, it says your God reigns in spite of the darkness. There's hope there. That's what they're hoping in. They're hoping in good news. And we wait for good news too. That's what that scripture is all about. We're waiting for good news, aren't we? I mean, think about it. There's plenty of bad news all around us. I like to think as I read that scripture, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. I think about that little woman that gripped the feet of Jesus one day. And she began to weep over His feet in gratitude. And her tears were the thing that washed His feet. And with her hair, she dried His feet. And she continually kissed His feet. That was her form of anointing those feet that brought good news. Why was she doing all of that? Because He had brought her some very good news, you see. Her news was that she was free now, and she wasn't a slave anymore. She wasn't a slave to her runaway desires and passions, and she wasn't a slave to anybody else's. Not anymore. She wasn't a slave to sin anymore. She wasn't a slave to Satan anymore. She'd been set free from from all that, and she wasn't a slave. And the good news was good news for her because it was, the fact was she was clean now and not dirty. People looked at this woman. She had a reputation. She's dirty. But she's not dirty anymore. That's good news. That's why she grabs hold of his feet, because he's the one who brought her good news. He brought good news that she was loved, and she wasn't despised. Not by him. Not by him. That's what the gospel is all about. You realize that the word gospel means good news. And Jesus brings always 
good news. So what are we waiting for? What are we hoping for? We're hoping for some good news. But look, our good news is here. Amen? Our good news, we've already got it. What else are we waiting for? We're we're waiting for the darkness to end. That second scripture that was read. Listen, your watchmen. Watchmen, those people whose job it is to see, to watch. Those, Those people... whose job it is to wait through the dark, to keep a sharp lookout for the darkness, for the things that may be lurking out there. And and what, what does the watchman look for more than anything else? He looks for the morning. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. They shout joyfully together. For they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. So what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the darkness to end, and there's darkness all around us, isn't there? I mean, you don't have to look very far outside these walls to find it. There's so much dirt, and there's so much that's filth, and there's so much that is corruption all around us. There's, we live in a society that seems everywhere we turn, there's evidence of pollution somewhere of some kind. We were promised a sexual revolution that would set everybody free. It was supposed to set us free from all of our hang-ups. But what are we seeing now? From from that revolution that was going to set us free from all of our hang-ups, what's it done? It's, It's drenched every broadcast moment. With one story after another story after another story of predators and people whose sexual desires are out of control in the highest to the lowest places. It's happening, and we can't escape it. It's being forced before our eyes. It's promised freedom, but it, it's brought disease, and it's, it's brought all kinds of twistings of perversion that are passed off as normal that bring diseases of their own, that have absolutely no cure and no sign of stopping. That's what it's brought us. We're living that. That's a particular kind of darkness around us. We live in a darkness where where life is so cheap that people are gunned down in open spaces in the daylight. They attend an event and they're shot to death. They didn't bargain for that when they bought their ticket. People in a church shot to death by some maniac. And it's it's reached the point that churches, even our church, we have to have people appointed every service that are carrying a weapon. Why? Because just in case, in the house of God, in the place of worship, life is so cheap. Life is so cheap that slaughter is on our streets everywhere. Life is so cheap that our government is even blessed and sanctioned death in the safest of places that we should ever know. With inside our own mother, our government says it's a good thing that you should die in there. Darkness. There's darkness all around us. Darkness without fixes. Problems that have no solution. 
And there seem to be tensions all around us that are just ready to snap. It's a dark world out there, isn't it? It's dark inside, too. Remember what the prophet Jeremiah says? The heart of humans is deceitful and it's wicked above all else. Who can know it? We are so bad we don't even know how bad we are and the potential for darkness inside of us, each one of us, the capacity is great. There's darkness inside, there's darkness outside. We hope for an end of darkness. Guess what? The light has come. We don't have to live in darkness anymore. The light has come, if you'll see it. So what are we waiting for? What are we hoping for? We're hoping to be redeemed. Did you hear what one person read? He has redeemed Jerusalem. The unthinkable has happened. Last week I I told you it's like a fairy story. It's so good. He's redeemed us. It, It means He has bought us back at the price of His own life and blood. He has brought us back. And that means bought back. It means that we're like Hosea's wife. That that we're like Joseph in prison. We're like Hezekiah on his deathbed. He has brought us back. You see, we've been redeemed. That's what we're waiting for. But it's already here. The thing we're waiting for is already here. We're waiting also, according to these words, we're waiting to see God. Look at at the end of the last thing that Jamie read. All the earth may see the salvation of our God. We're waiting what? We're waiting to see God. We want to see God. We long to see God. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're waiting for. 400 of the saddest years of recorded human history happened right before the birth of Jesus. And they were sad years for God's people because nobody had heard from God. In 100 years, in 200 years, in 300, in 400 years. Nobody had heard from God. The Shekinah, the presence in the temple, in the holiest of places, it had been gone for 400 years. They went through the motions, but they didn't sense God there. Little kids would come up to their father and say, Dad, have you ever ever heard from God? No, I've never heard from God. Did Grandpa ever hear from God? No, he didn't. What about great-grandpa? No. 400 years, nothing. 400 long years, they're hoping and they're waiting and they want to hear from God. They want to see God again. And then he shows up in the shop of a carpenter. And he says to Joseph, 
this girl that you're engaged to will supernaturally have a son and I want you to be careful, Joseph, to call his name Jesus. Yeshua. You know what that name means? It means God is our salvation. God is our salvation will be His name. His name will be His purpose. His name will be His life. His name will be His ministry. His name, God is salvation, Jesus. That's what He's to be called. Because that's what He is. And He will save His people from their sins. He will save His people, the original means, He will save His people away from their sins. He will remove your sin from you. He will remove the memory of your sin and the stain of your sin. The psalm says as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. Do you realize there's mercy in the way He says that? He didn't say as far as the north is from the south. You know why? Because there are at least a couple places where the north meets south. We call them the North Pole and the South Pole. You start walking north. You're heading north until you get to that one spot and then you're heading south. They intersect. But there's no place where east meets west. That's how far He's removed our sin. You see, God is our salvation. It's in His very name. He tells Joseph, name the boy that, because that's what he will be, and because that's who he is. When you look at Jesus, you see salvation. In fact, if you really see him, you can't miss it, because it's even in his name. You know, there's a, a wonderful consistency in Jesus as we wrap this up, and I want you to see it. Because I want you to think about it through this Christmas season. There's a wonderful consistency in Jesus. God is our salvation. And it's this. The Bible says that everything was made through Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God, and, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything was made through the Word, Jesus. He's the agent through which everything is created. And so you know what that means? All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And it's also through Jesus that we're bought back. And so creation and salvation, they both come through Jesus. You see that? That's amazing to me. They both come through Jesus. There's a wonderful consistency there. And we're told, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. God is our salvation. God with us. God in us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. You see? He wants you to see Him. 
He wants you to see Him. What are we waiting for? We're waiting to see God. And He wants you to see Him. But, but we, we say, but I can't be pure in heart. If I've got to be pure in heart to see Him, then I'm sunk. I will never see God. I guess I'll have to live without it. Because blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And I know I'm not. I'm not. You know, yesterday in our men's breakfast, I made a comment to the men. We're talking about prayer. And one of the guys said, I think what we need to do is learn to focus. <laughs> we, we need to stop letting our minds wander in prayer. And then our prayers will be effective. Then we'll be able to ask and see things happen like Jesus invites us. And I sat there for a minute and I finally told the guys, I said, let me tell you what happens to me. I decide, and these last several months, because we've been looking at those scriptures together that talk about ask anything in my name, he says, and I'll do it. And since he says it seven times and he doesn't do that with anything else, I think he means what he says. And that should affect the way I pray, shouldn't it? And so I've been thinking about that a lot, trying to dedicate more time to being intentional in my prayers. But I told the guys, I get down, here's my problem. I begin to pray, and then I start wandering. And I'm praying intensely, and then the next thing I know, I'm thinking, gee, wouldn't it be nice if I owned a monkey? My mind is somewhere else. And that's our problem when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, but I'm not pure. I'm not pure. I can't do this. Just like I'm not very good at focusing, I can't be pure. So I guess I'm not going to see him. But He wants us to see Him so badly. You know what He does? He makes us pure so that we can see Him. He makes us pure. He does what we cannot do so that we can see Him. He wants us to see Him so He makes us so we can see Him. Any follower of Jesus that's followed for a long time will confess to you that sometimes you feel like walking away from Him. You do. You, you feel a little bit like Jeremiah when he said, I'm ready to cash it all in, God. And, and I'm ready to say, I'm not going to speak anymore in your name. And I mean it this time. But he says, when I say that, I feel a fire that's shut up in my bones. And I can't keep quiet. Any follower of Jesus will tell you there are times when you say, I'm done, but we're not done. Let, let your desire to know God, to really know God, become an inescapable concern in your life. No matter how many times you stumble, that is your single focus. I want to know Him. I want to know him. And he says, anybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that good news? Our hope is here. 
the things we desperately wait for, it's all here in Jesus. The people who sat in darkness, us, we've seen a great light. You've been listening to a slightly inspired message from Fairfax Assembly, a different kind of church in Bakersfield, California. Find out more at www.fairfaxassembly.com.